0: This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson along with my co host, Josh Cumston. And today, in the studio here at Nebraska Christian Schools, we have Steve James. Steve, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me, Gordon.
0: Just a little introduction with Steve. He was a counselor at Hastings High School, Senior High, for 30-some years, right, Steve?
1: 36 years, to be exact. I was uh, only going to be there one year, but it turned out to be 36.
0: 36. And now you have retired officially. And I know Steve for a long time through the ministry of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And Steve has served as a huddle coach there for FCA. He's served at fca hockey camps and been very involved with the fca ministry over the years and now steve in your retirement years tell our listeners a little bit about how the lord is using your retirement
1: <laughs> well the retirement is a funny thing i left hastings senior high school on friday may 25th and i don't think i've really had a day since then when i haven't been doing something We went to Nicaragua in June with our church, the E Free Church in Hastings, on a mission trip. And my wife went along as well. And while we were there, she contracted E. coli. And so when we got home, she was in the hospital for five days with E. coli. And right after that, she developed shingles. And so my entire summer was spent pretty much in the house, calling doctors and going to doctors and getting to know every doctor in the town of Hastings Mm -hmm. while my wife was trying to recover. And so I didn't do anything else. And since then, I've been doing some driving for Aero Stage Lines, the tour bus company. I do some part-time preaching. In the meantime, try to get my grass cut and and, uh, Mm -hmm. stay in touch with my wife and kids.
0: Good. Well, it's it's good to have you here today and have you speak to the students. there has been a Long time, I've wanted you to come and speak at our chapel, but of course you're, you were always busy because you were at a school yourself, and so it's been good to have you here today.
1: Well, thanks. With counseling, I also was the cross-country coach for 32 years, and for 24 of those years, I was coaching track, and so there wasn't a lot of free time. Steve, we worked together at Hastings High School for five years, and you've, uh, you were there for 36. Your message this morning for the kids, you talked about the banner. that uh, that Christ has over us. What was it that when you were looking at something to bring to our students that that convinced you that that might be be what you should share this morning? I think I chose that because it all starts there. Unless we are under that banner, unless we come to that banquet table with Jesus, why everything else is a moot point. And the Song of Solomon is just a different way of presenting the gospel in a very unique way and it's not referenced very much by by the church in general, and it's not referenced at all probably in youth groups, and I was quite certain that no one had ever stood there and talked about the Song of Solomon in a student chapel because there's some interesting things in there that I wasn't going to get into, but I did want to acknowledge the fact that his banner over us is Jesus, and unless we start there, why, nothing else makes any sense. And so that's why I was thinking that the students probably hadn't heard it presented quite that way and i had presented it one time in a church that way and it just came to mind and i went with it
0: with that let's join steve james with today's message
1: i'm just like you i was sitting in a spot like you years ago in high school so i understand a lot of the things that you're going through although my high school was considerably different than yours you have if i understand about 200 kids here K through 12 is that is that fairly accurate I had almost 2000 in my school in fact when I was a senior in college I was talking to a young lady on campus we found out that we'd graduated the same year from the same high school and I'd never seen her before in my life because I had almost 600 50 kids in my graduating class in St. Paul, Minnesota. Anybody ever been to St. Paul, Minnesota? Oh, a few people have been blessed. Yes. All right. (laughs) Well, I am glad to be here this morning. Wow, what an exceptional opportunity you have here at Nebraska Christian. I don't know very much about your school. Not very much at all. But I know that this summer I was in Nicaragua in June on a mission trip. And I know the schools down there, they've got nothing. They've got a room, maybe, but they don't have any supplies. They don't have pencils. They don't have papers. They have a few books. They have pictures of Daniel Ortega plastered up all over the walls. He's the dictator of Nicaragua. But they don't have anything. And they are dying, literally, to go to school. They want to go to school. And when we handed out paper and pencils and rulers and whatever else we handed out, they were so grateful that they were going to have a chance to go to school. And that's stuff that we just take for granted. We've got all the pencils we could ever want. But they had nothing. They didn't even know how to brush their teeth. I remember in the pack that I handed out to one little boy, gave him a toothbrush and some toothpaste, and he was thrilled to death. He ran off. The next day he showed up again. He wanted me to show him how to use that stuff. Didn't know how to brush his teeth. We just don't realize how blessed we are here in America. And you are exceedingly blessed to have this school. We were in Ireland a couple years ago. And and not just in Ireland, but a lot of schools in Europe. They don't allow you to choose what you're going to study in school. Once you get to a certain point, they look at your grades, they look at your IQ, and they say, well, you're going to go this way, and you're going to go that way. And what you think doesn't make any difference. Because the state chooses what you're going to study. The school that I went to, well actually the school I worked at the last 36 years. I can't remember one day in 36 years where we started the day off with chapel. Didn't happen. Doesn't happen in any public school anywhere in America. You are unique. You have a rare opportunity. And I know that it's easy to become kind of passe about it and And you just sort of take it for granted. Please don't do that. Please realize what a unique opportunity that you have. Then the common question I always get from people is, can you witness for Jesus in the public school? Can you talk about Jesus at Hastings Senior High School? Can you mention his name? And my answer was, absolutely. I was witnessing for Jesus at Hastings Senior High from the moment I walked in the door until the moment I left after practice, because almost everybody there knew that I was a Christian. And they were watching my life from the moment I drove up in the morning until the moment I drove away at night. And so, yes, Jesus is alive at Hastings Senior High. In fact, unbeknownst to the school board at Hastings High, in every school board in the nation, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of every single school district in the nation. They may not recognize that, but nevertheless, that is true. I was not good in school. I was not a good student. I I was only interested in one thing, and that was what time is practice. Some of you guys can relate to that, maybe some of you girls. But I remember in seventh grade, the only thing I remember about seventh grade is Mrs. Gilsdorf, who was probably like a Marine D.I., And that's the way she talked to us. And I was just a little guy then. I'm not very big now, but I was just a little guy. She scared me to death. In the eighth grade, I went off to junior high because our seventh grade was still in elementary school. But in eighth grade, I went off to the junior high. And this was an inner city junior high. And there were some mean looking kids there. And the first day I was there, I had walked a block away from the school and this big kid stopped me. He just grabbed me by the collar. He says, kid, I want you to clean my shoes. Well, I looked at this kid. He was slightly overweight, and I knew there's no way I can ever take this guy on, but I can run. So I ran away from him. But that was all I remember from eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> ninth grade, ninth grade, now, you've got to remember, I'm, I'm a little bit older than all of you. Ninth grade, there was a phenomenon that hit America called Beatlemania. Anybody know who the Beatles are? Well, anyway, everybody back then knew who the Beatles were, and the thing that set them apart was their long hair. Well, I happened to have a father who said to me one day, my dad was kind of a, he was a tough guy. He was a trucker, and he didn't mess around. And he came up to me one day, and he says, Stephen? When he wanted to get a point across, he always called me Stephen. He says, Stephen? you ever come home with a haircut like that, you're not coming in the house. You're sleeping in the garage. You got it? I said, I'm good with that, Dad. So my hair grew. Now, if you look at my hair, if you get up close, you'll see it's kind of wavy, kind of kinky even. So when my hair kind of grew, it didn't just grow down like the Beatles. It kind of grew down and it kind of grew out. (laughs) So I had a lot of hair. So one day in P.E., The gym teacher, who was a lot like, his last name wasn't Hitler, but I think he was related to him, sort of (laughs) down the line. And he was sarcastic, and he didn't like me, because he he always wanted me to go out for gymnastics, if you can believe that. I couldn't even do a forward roll. And it was wintertime, and I was a hockey player. I wasn't going to go for gymnastics. And he didn't like me, so he said... One day he said, we're going to choose up teams for this particular game. Let's see, let's, let's get the guy with the shortest hair to be captain here. And he kind of sneers and he looks at me and he says, James, he says, you be the captain. Of course, everybody laughs because my hair is kind of all over the place. That's all I remember from ninth grade. <laughs> I got to my sophomore year. The only thing I remember from my sophomore year now in high school is I almost failed. Because I just didn't do much. My junior year... I let this goofball next to me named Tommy Peterson talk me into going out for cross country. I said, I don't even know what that is. Well, we ran a mile one day, and then we stretched. Then we ran another mile, and we stretched. And then this coach, this barbaric coach said, "Okay, today I think we're going to run a third mile. And I thought, are you out of your mind? Three miles? But I stuck it out, and I started running in the fall of '66. And never in my wildest dreams ever thought that I would coach cross country. But I did for 34 years. And then my 12th grade year, the only thing I remember from that is December 1st, I developed senioritis. And after that, I don't remember anything about high school. (laughs) So I was not a good student. Not a good student by any stretch of the imagination. And when I graduated, there were only a couple of choices you could either go in the military or you could go to college. And my dad says you're going to college. Well, I almost failed junior college. It was the only college I could get into, and I didn't do very well there. I almost failed there, but I got through it. And as I'm going through it, I'm thinking to myself, is this all there is? You just sort of go to school, and you get a functional degree, and then you kind of get a functional job, and you find a functional wife, and you have some functional kids, and you just sort of function the rest of your life, I thought, that's not my idea of a good time. I'm not doing that. But I didn't have any other options, because I didn't know Jesus at that time. And so the question in my mind was, what else is there that I can hang my hat on? So I'm moving away to this university, and as I'm moving and packing stuff up, I notice over here on my bedstand stand is my Bible that I'd gotten in the fourth grade. And it's still in the box. I didn't want to mess it up. I thought, well, I ought to take that. I don't know why, but I took it. I started reading it. I read the first four chapters of the New Testament, and I thought, well, this is a goofy book. All these books are the same. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all telling the same story. So I didn't read it anymore. But then one day, I ran into a guy at the college, and he said, let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian? I said, well, I'm a Methodist. And that didn't seem to satisfy him too much. And so he invited me to come to some Bible studies. And I, for the first time in my life, had a little light go on in my my head, or more likely in my heart, and I thought, this is what I'm looking for. So I started going to these Bible studies. I started learning how to pray. I started learning all kinds of things. In fact, I would go to these Bible studies on Thursday night. They were at 8 o'clock. And at 1.30 in the morning, I was still sitting in front of the leaders asking them questions. That's how hungry I was. Because I knew that my life had nothing. And I wanted what these people had. And so I would ask a lot of questions. Jesus says, And while they were yet sinners, Christ died for them. While you were yet a sinner, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. And he was drawing me in. And so after a while... I went to this conference one day and and this guy is talking and he draws a big circle on the board and he divides it like a pie and he says, now this is your life. Part of this life is education, part of this life is work, probably another part of this pie is, is family, another part down here is money, but the part that Jesus is really interested in is this part right here in the middle. What's in the middle of your life? After we were all done, I went up to Harvey. His name was Harvey. I said, Harvey, I don't even know if Jesus is in my life, let alone in the middle. And so he explained the gospel to me, which I pretty much understood. And so that night, I sat down and just prayed on a folding chair, just said, Jesus, I don't know very much about any of this stuff, but one thing I do know is that I got nothing better to do than what you're offering me. And so please take my life and make some sense out of it. And my question to you this morning is, what are you doing in your life that is better than what Jesus has to offer you? Let me say that again. What are you doing in your life right now that is better than what Jesus has to offer you? It's that time of the the year when we're going to start seeing all these election banners. You're going to see banners in people's yards that says, vote for Romney, vote for Obama. Vote for Compton. Wouldn't that change the way we live? <laughs> You're going to see these banners all over the place. When we were in Nicaragua, I just mentioned there were banners all over the schoolroom. Daniel Ortega's face looking out at the people because he's the dictator of, of uh, Nicaragua. But they were all over the place. If you have your Bible, if you have your Bibles, turn it to the Song of Songs. Or as some Bibles say, uh, the Song of Solomon. It's right after Ecclesiastes, which is right after Proverbs. I am quite certain that you have had had any other chapel speakers stand in front of you and talk about the Song of Solomon. I am quite certain of that. In chapter 2, verse 4, He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me, Is love. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Did you get that? His what is over us? His banner. And his banner is over who? His banner is over you. Jesus Christ, the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of the universe, the one who puts the stars in place. The Creator is interested in having you personally come to His banquet. And He is putting a banner up and He is saying, come to Me. You are special. I want you at this banquet. The same Jesus who formed you, who says He knew you before you were born, the same God of Abraham, Peter and Paul is inviting you personally to come to his banquet table. And his banner will identify you, it'll protect you, it'll offer you security. What else does that mean for you? It means that you don't have to be like everybody else. I've always thought the greatest thing about being a Christian is I just get to be myself. I don't have to be like you or you or you or you in the back. If Jesus wanted me to be like everybody else, he would have created me that way. And you as well. He created you the way he wanted to create you. And I know what it's like to be a teenager. We all went through that, where you're thinking, I'm not good enough. I don't have any talent. I don't have any ability. I don't look very good. I don't have great athletic ability. I'm not very smart. I went through all of that. I knew I wasn't very smart. And I was just an average hockey player. And I know that you think the same thing sometimes. We all do. And I'm not sure, and I'm talking to the adults now too, I'm not sure we ever really outgrow that. We do a lot of comparing back and forth as to how we sort of stack up in society, don't we? But Jesus says, I created you to be unique. I didn't create you to be like anybody else than what I created you as when you were born. And that opens up Endless possibilities. Because this same God who created you says, I have a plan for you as well. I do. In Ephesians it says, Ephesians 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. More than you can think or imagine. And all of you are thinking in, in, in the high school mode, you're beginning to think, what can I do with my life? What do I want to do? What makes some sense? How do I want to be successful so I can be a contributing member of society and raise a family? Those are things that go through your mind. This verse here in Ephesians says, by whose power? By God's power. Not by your own. More than you think or imagine. I barely and I mean barely, graduated from college. Just barely got through by the skin of my teeth. Did much, much better in graduate school, but just barely graduated from college. All of my high school teachers would be absolutely flabbergasted to know that I even went to college, let alone graduated. Jesus was not surprised. And you know what? He is never surprised at what goes on in your life. He is never caught off guard. He never has one of those moments. Not in your life, not in the life of the world. He is not surprised when the trade towers come down. He is not surprised when hurricanes come. He is not surprised when your life is in upheaval. That doesn't catch him by surprise at all. So doesn't it make sense to go to the God of creation when we have difficulty in our life, instead of trying to solve it on our own, he has a plan for your life. I would have never, never, never imagined that I would be a high school counselor. And I would certainly never imagine that I would be a cross-country coach. Because when I was in high school, the only thing my counselor said to me, and I would, I would swear this in a court of law, The only thing my counselor told me was that you are too dumb to go to college. Do you have a counselor here? Where is he? Is he in here? No, he knew I was going to say that, so he didn't show up. That's the only thing my counselor ever told me. They would be shocked, but Jesus is not shocked. He is not surprised at all. He had it all programmed. I was 39 when I got married. I was a happy bachelor. Believe me, I had piles of money. I had a new car every two years. I had a condominium. I did whatever I wanted to. And then I met my wife, fell in love with her. We have two daughters. I would have missed my life if I hadn't said yes to Jesus. Dawson Trotman, the founder of the Navigator Ministry, said this. He said, The world has yet to see what God can do with one man or one woman who is completely yielded to him. You wanna be that man? You wanna be that woman? The choice is yours. But he's bringing us to that banquet table. He says, come home with me. And I have a tendency to just talk forever. He's bringing you to this banquet table. I'll try to wrap this up real quick. He's not taking you to some dump. He says, we're gonna splurge. And when you go to a banquet, you generally have a, a feeling of anticipation. It's a lot like Thanksgiving or Christmas. When somebody's making the big meal, you can smell it when you wake up, or you can smell it when you walk in the door. There's great anticipation for this banquet. There's a lot of excitement. You can almost taste it, and that's where Jesus has taken us. It's, it's like Christmas, you know, the night before Christmas, the excitement that you have, or the excitement you have when you... When you get an A on a paper that you worked really hard. Or it's fourth and one and you're at the three-yard line. There's great anticipation. Can you sense the excitement and the anticipation of Jesus? I don't know if we can even imagine Jesus jumping up and down and getting really jacked about anything. But I think that he did. But imagine this, kids. Kids. He's taking you to this banquet now, and he's leading you up the hallway to the banquet. The room is down there. He's leading you down the hall. He says, come with me. And he's looking over at his shoulder at you all the time, and he's smiling, and he's looking for your reaction, and you get closer and closer, and you can smell it. You can smell that filet or that roast beef and the mashed potatoes. And he gets right up to the door, and he opens it up, and he looks at you, and you look at him, and you said, Jesus... I just as soon have a bologna sandwich. Why would you do that? When you can feast with the king of kings. I know I've done that. I know I do that. I just say, you know what, Lord? Thanks for everything, but I'll do this on my own. You ever been in that situation before? If you have, you can repent. Now there's a word that's not held in high regard in our society anymore. To repent means to change Turn around, go the other direction. That's the option that you have. But he's calling us to this banquet table. And he is offering us a feast. And I don't want you to leave this room this morning until you have kind of grappled with where you're at with your relationship with Christ. When we were in Nicaragua this summer, my wife got sick. She got E. coli. We brought her home here to the States, put her in the hospital. She was in there for five days. And we said one morning, we don't want to leave the hospital until we know that you're well and you're on the road to recovery. Don't leave, don't leave this room this morning, if there's any doubt at all in your mind, where you stack up with Jesus. Don't leave here. Come and talk to one of your teachers. Come and talk to me. We'll be glad to pray with you. But if you have drifted away, and we all do that, don't let everybody tell you that they don't drift, because everybody does. If you need to repent, there's no better time to do that than right now this morning. You know, the Blue Hill people, when they woke up that morning, they didn't know they were going to die. Those people driving the bus. I was driving a bus back from Columbus last night, right down Highway 30. Those big trucks and cars are going by. I'm here. Cars and trucks are going by right here. And I thought to myself, just like that, just one heartbeat away from eternity. Where are you this morning? I'm thinking that most of you are are Christian kids, but I'm not dumb enough to believe that everybody is. I know there's some in here that have probably never come to grips with who Jesus Christ is. This morning, we are inviting you to come to the banquet table, to come and feast with the King of Kings. Don't leave here without making that decision. Jesus never gives up on us, just like your coaches never give up on you, and your teachers never give up on you, and your parents. He never gives up on you. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. May that be true for you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for just these few minutes to, to share and to visitate about you. Lord, we love you a lot. And I know that there's maybe some in here that don't know you. And I pray for them that they would come to know you today. I pray that no one would leave here this morning without knowing who you are. And those that need to would, would repent would come back to the table lord we thank you for your grace we thank you for never giving up on us we thank you for being our biggest cheerleader we thank you for dying on the cross and we thank you for being our savior in jesus name
0: amen you've been listening to a message by steve james he's from hastings nebraska he's a former counselor at hastings senior high and a cross-country coach Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth in Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Tyson. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus.